people today, Father, respond to this word that's going to be sown in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. One of the things that I've made a certainty in my life is not to shy away from sometimes difficult subject matters. Sometimes in the church, there's a tendency in the modern church to shy away from matters that can be deemed controversial or even sometimes offensive or divisive. Certainly when you first think about this, you think about the modern issues that we deal with that sometimes divide us as a nation. We think about the great abortion debate that's going on. It's gone on for many years, and certainly the, uh, the things that deals with uh, the homosexual marriage and things of that nature. And we, so we think about that as being, but you know, really in the church, that's not as divisive. The church is unified to a degree in, in, in what I would call the evangelical church is. The church is unified to a degree. Maybe not the apostate church. That's another subject matter. But the church as a whole to a degree, but really the most divisive subject is this what Paul addressed, giving and receiving? That's when everybody gets quiet in here like you have already today. Y'all y'all validating everything that I came along to preach about. Y'all making me preach better when I ain't even trying today. Come on, somebody. And so Paul said this. He said, you communicated with me in this context concerning giving and receiving. I was thinking about this. Every time at this time of year, it's our annual business meeting. And this is just a little window before we get into the text that we're going to develop into um, in just a few moments. But just a little window into to my life personally is every time at this time of the year, we have our annual business meeting. Our annual business meeting means that we give out financial reports and we also give the financial reports of the church as a whole. And I'm grateful to stand up here and say today that this year, the overall giving of our church was... Uh, uh, an increase of a, a considerable amount from last year. It was the highest that I can actually remember it being in the uh, 16 years that I've been the pastor of this assembly. Right, I'm grateful for that, thankful for it. So obviously this is not a message that I'm trying to coerce people because of this imminent need that's in front of us, and I want you to feel the strength of my arm to twist yours in order to be able to get you to give. But rather... I'm always reminded of biblical principles when I look at both individual giving records. And yes, and I tell people there's only two eyes as a whole, excuse me, two sets of eyes as a whole that sees the giving of individuals, and that's me and Sister Sherry. Now, the board has the right. I even offered them the right to do this in our board meeting the other night, but not a single person chose to do so. There's only two people. So it's very confidential. But I'm telling you, as I do so, I often stand in admiration at the faithfulness of men and women. I do. And I see men and women that have valued the kingdom of God, and they sacrificially and faithfully give. And they, and they give on a regular basis. And they give like Paul said. They give with joy. They give with a spirit of joy. Paul said, give joyfully. And so, but then I also grieve. I have to be honest with you. I also grieve when I see quality, solid people in the fellowship of faith, who have not just yet moved into this grace. And when I look at this passage, at this passage, there's so many passages that I could choose from to teach from. And one of the passages in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when Paul is addressing this concerning giving in the church, and Paul commended the Corinthian church of a lot of the things that they were doing correctly. 
He, said, he talked about their zeal for spiritual gifts, their benevolence, a lot of things that they were involved in. And then he said, he said, and make sure that you excel in this area also. And when I, oftentimes when I scroll down that list and I see, and I see quality, godly, I'm talking spiritual people, and I think to myself, they're akin to what Paul was writing to the Corinthians. They're excelling in so many areas, but they're leaving something undone. And my responsibility as a pastor is to charge you and to expose to you what I believe is a deeply seated biblical doctrine that's something that can produce a liberty and a freedom in your life that can, that can move you into a next level as a believer. Come on, I believe that, that you can be emboldened and you can agitate in an anointing in your life as you move into this next season of your life. So Paul talked about that, and he called it giving and receiving. So we're going to tie it to this passage that we've been with. We've been in the life of Elijah, and I thought last week that I was going to move away from Elijah because I was already to the end. The mandate had been passed. The mantle of the anointing had been passed. Elisha has become the, the, the prophet in his stead. Elijah's taken up in the whirlwind. So I'm going to go back. That's in 2 Kings 2. We're going to go back to when Elijah first comes on the scene. At a time, as you know, when we go back in time, four or five weeks, when I commenced this series from Elijah, at a time of apostasy in the land. Ahab, the king of Israel, the nation of Israel is now divided. The northern ten tribes, and I'm using my hands as a visual display, the northern ten tribes have sided and is known as Israel. The southern two tribes Benjamin and Judah are also known as Judah, but there is an invisible line separating the two. It's almost like the wall that used to separate East and West Germany. There's a separation. Those that are in the northern kingdom cannot travel to the southern kingdom to participate in worship lest uh, they find themselves uh, being persecuted by their own kingdom. And so it's a time of division, but it's also a time of great apostasy. As we know, and I'm not preaching all this together today, but that Ahab, through his marriage with Jezebel, the princess of Sidon, which is north of Israel, modern-day Lebanon, that she has introduced the ancient Canaanite Phoenician uh, religion of Baal worship. Baal worship is a sexually distorted religion that is, uh, uh, uses all type of uh, promiscuity and different things to, to propagate this false doctrine. And I don't want to preach all that, and I know you don't want to hear about that all today. But that's what took place. Elijah comes on the scene with a bold, provocative word. We're familiar with it. It's in 1 Kings chapter number 17. And this is where he locks up heaven. Everybody remembers that by his prayer as he's laid his head on the bosom of God and he's prayed according to the word of God. As I noted a week ago in my sermon, he's praying according to the word and he's locked up heaven. And the Lord, after he's confronted Ahab, what do you mean, pastor, he's locked up heaven? Well, there's not going to be any rain that falls on the land. When there's no rain, it doesn't take long for eventually as a, a drought to ensue. And when you're in an agricultural community uh, without water, without rain, it doesn't take long for an ensuing famine to occur. So in essence, what we see today for a moment of time, you see that there are sometimes there are restrictions that are placed on other nations by the United States and, and some of our coalition of nations, the attempt like with, with, 
with North Korea is that it might impact their economy. And once they feel the effect on their economy, maybe they'll come to, the, to you know, a board or come to an opportunity where there's some dialogue that can be made. So in one sense, that's what God was doing. God was bringing the people to a place of potential repentance by drying up the heaven. And as it dried up the heaven, it dried up the field, and it dried up the economy, and it would cause people to, 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 to hopefully find true repentance. Come on. Amen. That was the heart of God. God wasn't just being vindictive. Hello? God was being merciful. God was intention. God's always intending to lead you to repentance. If you're, in a, if you're astray, the heart of your father is he wants you to come to repentance. And that was his heart in those days. So God sent his man, Elijah, along the brook. He sent him to the brook Cherith, the scripture says, which is before Jordan. And it was there that he said, I've commanded. How many know that God commands? When God commands people, things, objects have to respond. God said, I've commanded, and I know this was very encouraging to the prophet when he first heard it. I'm sure he thought to himself, the Lord's going to provide for me, and there's going to be some type of ambassador that's going to come out, and he's going to, you know, I'm out here in this wilderness area, just nothing but the bubbling brook, no other prophets to serve my needs or any servants around me or any such thing, just my, myself and God. I'm sure God's going to send this little uh, group of men that's going to come after having, and God said, no, I've commanded the ravens to take care of you and so and I told you last week and I have a picture in my mind of how that could come about because when you think about that for just a moment I shared with you the book of Proverbs is that God has taken the wealth of the wicked and laid it up for the just and I thought to myself now wouldn't this be you know you can I do this in the theater of my own mind and I don't know if you have these same images but I could see the Bible says in the morning and the evening breakfast and dinner is coming by means of Raven Express Come on now, I want you to get a vision of this. The water's bubbling up out of the brook, but the Bible says that bread and flesh. And I told you a week ago, and I wanted to expound upon that for just a moment. I could just see. I could just see King Ahab and Jezebel at the dinner table. Unbeknownst to them that up there in the corridors of their banqueting hall, the ravens are perched. And Ahab, and it's Thursday night, which means it's ribeye night at the palace. And Ahab is about to take the ribeye off of the platter that's been placed on the table in front of him. And when he does, Jezebel slaps his hand and said, no, we're going to give thanks. And Jezebel says, bow your heads. And as everybody bows their heads, she begins to pray, oh, Baal, I want to thank you, God of thunder, and Ashtoreth, God of light, and as their heads are bowed, silently the ravens pitch off. <laughs> they come swooping down, and when she finally says amen, Ahab opens his eyes up and his ribeyes flying out the casement window, glory to God. And takes that in route and drops the bread. I thought about that. You think Lambert's is the home of the throat row? It started right there to the prophet. He said, give me some right there. Put that left hand up and caught that bread from the raven and a ribeye steak in the other. Glory to God. God met the need of the man of God. I tell you what, God meets the need of his servants, those that he's called for his purposes. He has. He's faithful. He's faithful to us. And then the word of God says that after a period of time, after a while, seventh verse. And this is where the story, it's only about nine verses that we're looking at. In the seventh verse, it says, after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain. 
in the land. And then the Lord, the word of the Lord, verse number 8, comes to Elijah. And the word of the Lord came to him and said this. And y'all just follow this. It's a little bit more of a dialogue today is all we're doing. And we're simply going from verses 9 through 16. That's the context of the message today. We're just going to extract it out of it. The word of the Lord comes to Elijah and directs him, as I told you last week, to an unfamiliar place to him, a place that you would not think when you first think about this that God would send this man. He said, I want you to go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. Zarephath was one of the principal cities of that region of Sidon. And Sidon was, Sidon was the birthplace of Jezebel. What a powerful picture that is of the wisdom of God. As we know that Ahab and Jezebel are searching everywhere for the man that came in and promised the drought. The scripture narrative reveals that later in this 18th chapter, 17th and 18th chapter. They are searching every rock in Israel, every cave. Like when we were looking for Osama bin Laden in Israel or Saddam Hussein. They were looking in every cave and every nook. They were looking for this man that they believed to be responsible for the drought. And God said, I'm going to take my man and I'm going to hide him in the backyard of the birthplace of Baal worship, right there under their noses, right there where people are going to the temple of Baal to worship, God said, I'm going to hide my anointed man right there, and I'm going to take care of him. Isn't that, oh, the wisdom of our God. God doesn't think with man's reasoning. God's wisdom is so far above and beyond our reasoning. And so in this narrative then, we see that the Lord said, I want you to go to Zarephath, and then he said, I have commanded, I have commanded a widow. I'm sure Elijah said, come again. For a widow would not be the first that you would start out in your mind to take care of this man of God. Because in that generation, typically widows were not wealthy widows. Many times they were impoverished in the culture in which we're reading the scriptures from. But Elijah knew that God, and with God, all things are possible. And so he said, I've commanded a widow, an unlikely provider that had a prophetic command that was unknown to her. She had been commanded to sustain the prophet. Did you know that under the sound of my voice, there are people that are commanded to sustain the prophetic word that flows out of this pulpit who, just like the widow, you don't even know it. That you've been commanded, that God's brought you into this into this body to help support the prophetic word. I'm going to explain to you what that is in a few moments that flows from this. Well, this is not just a historical lesson. This is a word for our church family today to unlock the blessings of God, to unlock the favor of God. Elijah journeys to Zarephath and arriving at the gate of the city, I notice this in the scriptures, it says, and behold, behold, it was as if it was divine destiny. The prophet is arriving fatigued from his journey only to look up and see a woman outside the gate, busily searching in the, in the brush for something of a stick or two large enough that she can make a fire to take back into her house. Her son perhaps is with her. She does have a son. He may be at her side. She may, he, she may have left him back at home. The prophet calls to her, and he requests a little water in a vessel. That's what it said in the ninth or the 10th verse. He calls out to her, and this was akin to the culture of the day. Many times women, 
especially single women, were responsible for drawing water. And so he calls to her. He's not asking something outside the culture of the day. And he said, it's dry and arid over in that region. He's come from afar. He said, would you go and just fetch me? She doesn't respond negatively. Maybe she's fatigued. Maybe she didn't want to. But she fulfilled the call, and she just turned from gathering of sticks, left her sticks on the ground, and she commences to go back into the city to draw water that she can bring it out to the man of God. She, at that moment, does not necessarily know that it is the man of God. Perhaps this is being set up to prove her faithfulness. It's a simple request, and then as she's going to fetch it, I love the way the writer, now I know how to talk. This is where I get some of my language, go and fetch it. She's going to fetch it. The Bible says that the prophet said to her, bring me, I pray thee, while you're going, bring me just that little cup of water, because I'm so thirsty from the journey, but along the, I'm also fatigued and tired and hungry. If you don't mind, just bring me just a little morsel of bread, just a little morsel of bread in your hand. That's a simple request, isn't it? To satisfy an authentic need. It's not elaborate. It doesn't seem overtly selfish. It's just a morsel of bread. Now, certainly that request is being made during a time of economic suppression. And the drought had probably already began to affect the economy. And bread was probably growing scarce, though it was not totally scarce in the city. And what little could possibly bought could have been perhaps expensive or becoming more expensive. But after that simple, what seems like a simple request, it's at that moment that the widow, when she hears this in the 11th verse, turns and and in one short verse of Scripture, you find the plight of the widow coming to the foreknowledge. It comes forward. It becomes apparent to us that this is a very, very difficult moment in her life. This is a moment as she begins, and we'll just read it there so we can read it exactly as it's written in the 12th verse. She said, as the Lord thy God liveth, as she acknowledges Jehovah thy God, I have not. She understands he's a Hebrew. Perhaps she does know him as the prophet. But she expresses the difficulty of the situation that she's in. She said, I don't have the cake that you're requesting. The only thing I've got back home in my pantry and in my cupboard is just a little bit of meal in a barrel and a little bit of oil in a cruise. And this is my plight. This is my situation. I'm here outside the city. I'm gathering in the bushes for two sticks. That's all I need, two sticks to snap them and break them, bring them back into my house, and I'm going to kindle a small fire. And then I'm going to go to the cruise of oil and the barrel of meal. And I'm going to reach in, and I'm going to pull out until there's not a single little grain of meal, ground wheat. Uh, there's not a single grain left. I'm going to get every one, and I'm going to pour the last few drops of this cruise of oil. And all I've got is just enough to make out a little patty for myself and my son. It's just about this big. We're going to cut it in two. I'll probably give him a little bit more. And then we're going to eat it because we haven't eaten in a few days. This is all we got left. We've been hoping that something would change our economic situation, and nothing has changed. And I, I'm tired. I'm exasperated. I'm frustrated. I'm depressed. I'm a widow. I don't have anything else. And I'm saddened. And she said, and here's the reality. I believe this is going to be my last meal, and I'm going to have the difficult task of sitting and watching hunger take the life of my son and eventually consume me as well. It's a desperate plight. 
It's a desperate. Some of you have been in a desperate situation before, and some of you may be there right now. But I came along to tell you today, in the name of Jesus, that with God all things are possible to him that will believe. This is not written in the Word of God just to give us a little storybook tale that will cause us to feel good every now and then. But this is given in the Word of God for you and I to know that when David said, I am young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's children begging bread, that you would have faith to believe God to be who He said He was. He is still today, and He'll always be Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who will provide. He is. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed about our God. And so as I was thinking about this, it's her desperate situation. The reality is, obviously, and Jay spoke it about that people need spiritual or emotional healing. The reality is she's depressed. I mean, you would be too. She's in a moment, in a season of depression. She's a single mother in a difficult economic crisis And notice this, though, and this is where I began to see the spiritual application of this. From her perspective, it's not that she doesn't have something. She's got something. So she's got a resource. She doesn't have a cake, but she has meal and oil. Now, I want you to think about that. So she's got a resource and an anointing. I put it that way because if you look at it spiritually, it can represent something. It can represent a resource. We all have resources. We all that are born again children of God, have re- we have something. You've got something tangible in your life. You've got something. But what you've got also as well, but you don't necessarily notice, you have an anointing. Because she was, you said, Pastor, wait a minute, make this, uh, make the, bring it into the right context for me. The word anointing means to smear with oil, which means to consecrate. To consecrate means to be set apart. What did God say about the widow? He didn't say anything about her condition. All he said was, I have commanded her. He said, I've, when he commanded her, he consecrated her, and he set her apart. And that's why I came along to tell you today, you've got a resource and you've got an anointing. we just got to mix the two together until we can get the blessing of God upon it. And when it does, your whole life can change, glory to God. Everything can change in a moment's time. I believe that by the prophetic word. She was commanded by God to sustain the prophetic word. I hope that somebody under the sound of my voice begins to realize that you've been commanded to sustain the prophetic word. You're not just here to get, get, get. It's not about just getting. Paul said it's about giving and receiving. The scriptural record is that when you're commanded to do something, you've been set apart. Here's the problem with the widow. Her perception was skewered. She was distorted by her own need. Let me say that one more time. Her perception was skewered because it had been distorted by her own need. She had something. She had a resource of some kind. She was not totally destitute. But she believed that that was for her consumption. That's where many of you are. You find yourself in that place. You have just a little, and you believe that it's just for your consumption. But the prophetic word in Deuteronomy 26 that spoke to those who offered the first fruits offering, the Bible says that they were commended because they did not eat their seed in time of need. 
The Bible plainly says that they were looked upon favorably. I want you to begin to hear that. She had seed in her barrel of meal. The widow would have to have her despair confronted by a prophetic word. That's what's happening to some of you right now. Some of you are in a despair financially. Fear, doubt, despair. All the world is being confronted that's around you today by the prophetic word of God. It was not a conditional exhortation that the man of God. I want you to see that I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? I thought that this is always a conditional response. No, the prophet didn't give it a yes or no, maybe, possibly, if you do this or do that. He just, come. she had already been commanded by God. So he spoke the authority word of God over her. And he said, go and do as thou hast said. Go and pat out the cake. Take that oil, pour it out of the cruise, take that meal till there's not a grain left in the barrel. Pat it out and then do something different with it. Give me the bread. I knew it would be real quiet in there right now, or in here right now on that point, because you're still thinking carnally. You're still thinking carnally because the man of God said, I want you to bring it to me first. He didn't say, and go make two cakes. Don't take what you got and divide it up. Don't take what belongs to God and give it elsewhere. Man, the preacher's preaching way better than y'all responding, but that's all right. He said, take and while I'm giving you a prophetic word right now, that if you will hear the word of God, and as you respond, as you respond, God said, I'm going to promise you something, a miraculous provision. See, I'm still foolish enough to believe that God does miracles. And I found it out, and I'm going to end this message with this today. Why do we not celebrate miracles financially, resourced, provisionally in our life the same way that if somebody with a crippled limb got healed. Listen, I, I, I don't know why we don't. We should be doing it because when we know that our God took note of where we were and where we are at right now and God miraculously, we ought to be celebrating in this house to God be the glory. Thanking Him for the goodness of God. Because I could sing that song with a clear conscience today. All my life He's been faithful. All my life, he's kept me in the palm of his hand. All my life, he's watched over me and cared for me and provided for me. And I can sing with a clear conviction today, but can you? I came along to challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ. There was not enough for two, but there was only enough for one. Make the cake, bring it to me. You know what the preacher said? He said, give me the bread. Give me, isn't that what he said? Only after you do that, are you then to make a cake for yourself? That was the most startling request of all. A depressed single mother has just enough resource for one meal, and the prophet tells her to give it to him instead. Now, let me tell you what it would be like if you heard that happening in our generation. It would be the subject of a Friday night, 8 p.m., 2020. Barbara Walters would say, this is Barbara Walters on 2020. And today, we're going to Zarephath. For here, we have a preacher who's on the run for confronting the political leaders of his day. He's been labeled as non-inclusive because he's speaking out against the sexual promiscuity of his land. He's had to take refuge in another city. And in doing so, He's taken food right out of the mouth of a widow woman and her baby. Come on now. 
Let's be honest, wouldn't that? If it didn't make 2020, it'd sure make Dateline. Hello? And so, but this demand, I got to thinking about this. And I thought, man, but you know, when you look at that in the natural, but you can't look at it in the natural. We're not called to look at things in the natural. And I, I looked at the demand and I thought for just a moment, I said, wait just a minute. Is this demand, see, I believe in something. I believe in the consistency in the Word of God, giving and receiving. That's what the Word of the Lord said. I believe that that demand was consistent with God's command throughout Scripture. Both the first fruits and the tithes under the law, they didn't belong to the grower. They didn't belong to the person that dug in the ground, sowed the seed, brought the harvest. No, they didn't. You know who they belonged to? They belonged to God. And God has a right to put a demand on what's His. In this situation, the prophetic demand was not fully about the resource. Now, here's where it's going to really get good. The prophet wasn't asking her to give what she didn't possess. Mm-mm. Because there are those who think that giving is based upon what you don't have. Because some of you said, man, if I can ever get to this position, if I can ever get here, if I can ever get this job, or if I can ever get these bills taken care of, then I'm going to start giving. God said, I'm not asking you to give based upon what you don't have. But I'm going to preach on that for just a moment. Y'all aren't catching what I'm saying in here today. It's not based upon what you don't have. It's based upon what you do have. God said, I want you to start where you are. He didn't say, go to the town, borrow, uh, borrow, steal, whatever, get some resources that you don't possess. He said, what do you have? She said, I just got a little meal and a little oil. He said, that's enough. Bring it here. Start where you're at. That's why Paul said, if there's first a willing mind, it's accepted according to what you have, not what you don't have. You start with what you have, and you start bringing it under the prophetical mandate. So the issue was not the resource. She had the resource. The issue was the faith needed. When it all comes back to faith, right? The issue was the faith needed to bring the resource into God's prophetic blessing. And that's where we find ourselves, and some of you find our, yourself. See, God has placed a demand, a, compa- a command on you, even if you didn't know it. I'm going to show you that here in just a moment of time to conclude this message. Not on what you do not have, rather what you do. Now, think about that for a moment. The question is, will we respond in faith, or, we succ- or will we succumb to the natural, even rational reasoning and consume our resource rather than putting it into God's command where it belongs. Oh, that's good right there, church family. That is good. That's the issue that's at stake right here. The prophetic mandate from the mouth of the prophet, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, till the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Notice this, he didn't promise Wealth or riches due to her act of obedience. This wasn't scratch-off moment. Oh, now, yeah, now I know why you aren't saying anything. Because you're guilty. It's not a scratch-off moment. He prophetically declared God would meet her need daily. That's what he said. As a direct result of her faithfulness to the man of God. Isn't that what Paul said? And the reason why I'm bringing Paul into this so that you can see this is, the, this is consistent from the old to the new. The Bible says through Paul's pen, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you will always have sufficiency in all things and you may abound to every good work. 
God will always be faithful to watch over His Word. We sang it a moment ago about the promises of God. God's given you the seed and then the bread. The seed is to sow and the bread is to eat. What you have must be sown and then it's eaten, for then it multiplies. If you eat what should be sown, then there's going to be lack. But if you sow what God has commanded, then there's going to be multiplication. I'm going to clap right there on that one myself. I'm going to read it one more time. I want to read it to make sure I don't mess it up. What you have must be sown and then eaten, for then it multiplies. If you eat what should be sown, there'll be lack. But if you sow what God has commanded, then there's going to be multiplication. And the woman went and did according to the saying of the man of God. And look at the faith with her trembling hand. She comes with that padded out cake, knowing that back in her pantry, back in her cupboard was that singular barrel of meal that's now empty. Not a single grain is left. That cruise of oil that had just enough to make this one cake is now totally dry. Nothing's left. But by faith, she put it into the hands of a man of God. And in doing so, she unlocked the, provoc- the, the, the prophetic word of God. It was provocative and prophetic. And it caused God to respond. And God said, and God, when God says it, He does it. Let me tell you, God's not a man that he should lie. If he said he'll meet your need according to his riches and glory, and if that need was created by your faithfulness and giving, then I want you to know today, yes, you can take it to the bank. It's coming back around, and God's going to provide for you. God's faithful to his word. So she went and did according. Her last resource was giving to sustain the prophetic voice. And in reciprocation of her faith and her act of obedience, she, now notice this, read that with me. I want you to see that very, very carefully right there in the 15th verse. She went and she did according to the saying of Elijah. And then she and he and her house did eat what? Many days until the Lord would send rain on the earth according to the word of the Lord spoken by the prophet Elijah. So her ministering to him was not a single one-time event. Rather, as the fountain of blessing opened on her home, she continued to bless the man of God. Now let's make it real in here today, even more than where we've been previously. For this is where we are today. Nothing has changed. God has commanded the widow, the church, to sustain the prophetic voice of the man of God. Let me bring you into God's economy for just a moment. Now, Pastor, why would you use the term the prophetic voice of the man of God? What do I mean by the prophetic voice? Let me tell you real quickly and bring you into this. Unfortunately, when you think of prophetic, you think of foretelling. Foretelling is predicting the future, telling of events in the future. But the word prophetic means to foretell equally as much as it means to foretell, which means to bring forth a word that comes forth from God. I've told you before, you study in the original language of the Hebrew, the word prophecy means to bubble forth. 
to bubble forth, to come. Listen, I believe in messages that are studied out beforehand. I spend time alone in my office studying, asking, down on the ground, praying, Lord, I need the blessing of God. I sit at a desk, I open the Bible, I look in the computer for the resources that are available, and I do everything to prepare my heart. But in the middle of this message, the greatest depth sometimes doesn't come from the paper that was prepared beforehand, but there's a prophetic blessing. There's a river of living water of life. There's an anointing that can flow. It can flow out. That's what I mean by the prophetic blessing. This is not a church where our preachers are just clergymen. We're more than clergymen. We've been called of God and set apart with the divine anointing of God. There are those today that have ecclesiastical endorsement who live an ungodly immoral life. But in my mind's eye, they are not called men of God. But the men and women that serve with me in the ministry here, I call them men and women of God. They have a tangible anointing on their life. They have a prophetic blessing. They walk in the anointing of God. When you come in here, you're not going to get a message that's just carbon copied. I've told you many times, I'll tell you again, it didn't come from sermon.com, but it came out of the resources of the Spirit of God as I prayed and worshiped and cried out and said, God, let me put my ear on the bosom, the beating heartbeat of Jesus, because I want to have a word in season for he that is weary. I want something anointed of God. This is a sacred time when you come in this house. This is the moment when God speaks to your life. This is the moment when the word is preached. And as I know in the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you need a word in your spirit because when you get a word in your spirit, you'll go out of here charged, able to be who God's called you to be in Jesus' name. There's a prophetic word. But let me tell you today, God's economy has always been that God would use the people that God has assigned in the context of the church, to provide for the man of God. In this sense that when I use the term man of God, that's broadened to include those that serve in the ministry staff alongside of me. The reality is this. Paul the apostle said, God has ordained it. It's an ordinance in the church. I know some of you think, well, the reason these guys are preachers is because they can't get it. Well, I don't know. The guys I hang out with and the gals are very talented people. They're very gifted people. They could do anything that they want to do, but they set aside their life, their calling, their career, because they heard a voice from God saying, go, saying, go, do this, do that. They begin to separate themselves. I told you last week, sometimes we have the difficult task of burning the plow. Sometimes we walk away from careers, walk away from retirement because we hear the voice of God. Sometimes it's not to preach to large congregations, but it's to little small churches and small communities, but we surrender our lives to the call of God and God expects God expects that if we sow unto people spiritual things that we reap the carnal things the reason why I'm preaching there are some people still struggle with that some people still struggle with it and I'm just telling you today you better just get over it I've told you before, this is not Burger King. You can't walk up here and say, I'll take a Whopper, but put the, the mayonnaise and the mustard and leave off the pickle and the lettuce. This is the king's house, and our king, his way will be known. Right? It's his way, not our way. And God has established it. But you know what people allow? They take offense anytime. There are people that take offense. Anytime the preacher preaches or teaches along this line. Hello? And I'm preaching myself happy here today. But you know why? And I understand to one degree. Many allow the abuses 
of some in ministry to erode their trust in the integrity of their leaders. And that's the error on your part. See, I believe you have resources that God expects and has commanded to be given. I'm going to clarify this statement to sustain us as preachers. And you do. And we're so grateful. Nobody's more grateful than, than, than us as pastors. But I want to see more. I'm not talking about economic growth in my life. I want to see more people understand that you've been called of God to sustain the prophetic word. You've been called of God. It's time for you to come under that prophetic mandate. It really is. It's our responsibility to properly handle, to use, and to disperse the resources that you give. We have to have integrity and accountability. We do. And listen, I don't believe it's the will of God to starve out as preachers. Some people used to think, well, if God will keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. That's not the will of God. We don't pray for you to be impoverished. I'll tell you how we pray for you. God, would you bless them? Would you bless them coming in and going out? Would you bless them on the job? Would you bless their house and their household? Would you bless their children and their children's children? Would you make God, if they're working at the company, let them be blessed. And some of them, let them own the company. Come on, the ones that can handle it. That's how we pray for you in the name of Jesus. We pray for the blessing of God. And so God has commanded you to be faithful to giving to the local assembly. For This is what's going to rock some of you your world. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you real quickly. The first purpose of your giving is not to be benevolent. The first purpose of your giving is not to provide for the missionaries like Janet Sherman. It's not to pay for the lights. It's not to put a seat that you can sit in. It's not so you can have a van to go to Branson in or to go to the mission strip in Arizona. The first purpose of your giving is so that you can have spiritual leaders in your life who are anointed of God and God's met their needs And now they're able to serve the body of Christ. That's the very first purpose. And you need to accept that in the name of Jesus. That's God's economy. Because the man of God said, give me the bread. He told the widow, it made no sense in the natural, but it made everything in the spiritual. And when the widow obeyed the word of God, God blessed her. And her house, when every other household is scratching and clawing to get a piece of bread every day during the heart of the famine, she's bringing fresh bread. (laughs) Putting it on the table in front of her children, her son, and her family, and the man of God. Because she had brought her life and her resources underneath the prophetic blessing. Man, that's a good word right there. That's why I can stand up here today and say, give me the bread. Now, I understand that we live in America where there's been the exploitation. Hello? And Friday night, Sherry and I were, was, uh, we were, we were and, and Alyssa, Sherry and I and Alyssa, we were, we were like, what? What is that? A helicopter was flying over the house, low, low in the barn, shining a light in the, in the backyard. And I'm told, so I called Levi, and I thought, we knew there was an accident on the road up there a little bit early, further down the road, but we thought, is there a manhunt going on? Is I, got a, I was about to go get the Mossberg 835 and go ahead and load one in the chamber. 
It's not, not like me, but I thought, well, you know, I might as well if I have this much time. <laughs> At least be a little bit prepared. And so uh, he was unaware of anything like that. And so I think they were searching for a place to land. But now in the middle of my preaching, if you were to hear that helicopter, and the helicopter was coming to just pick up Sister Sherry and I and take us back to our home each week, and we uh, were exploiting you for our resources for a constant personal gain, as we have seen in America by certain televangelists that have exploited the faithfulness of God and the prophetic blessing that belongs, they have exploited it. And so it wasn't that long ago when one preacher, and I could call his name out, but I will not, but he shocked the Christian community when he got a book deal and he went out and he bought his wife a Lamborghini, $200,000. And I know I could throw a stone at him today. I usually drive down the hill in a 2006 Ford F-150 that almost became a Hertz this week, but we'll talk about that later. So we live a, uh, we live a modest life. But a blessed life. A blessed life. The favor of God's on our lives. It's on Joe and Ann. It's on Shane and Ken. It's on Jace and Katie. And it's on Aaron and Chelsea and the pastoral staff. It was on Brent and Vakel when they were with us. It was on Brennan and Karen. Come on, somebody. It's the blessing of God. It's a prophetic anointing. It's the blessing of God. I'm only putting, pointing this out to you today. Yeah, if we were attempting to exploit it, I can understand maybe a little bit, but it doesn't take, that does not take place in this pulpit. But we still challenge you. Give me the bread. Give me the bread. Ha, ha, ha. Give me the bread. I believe today that if the church as a whole, you as an individual, as I prepare to close this message, if you'll begin to move in faith and begin to go from where you are, it's not based upon what you don't have. It's based upon what you got. Paul, Pastor, why are you saying this today? Are you trying to get more money for the church? Well, obviously, we do want to see more. With the more, we can do more. Because we do want to give more to missions. We do want to be more benevolent. We, do, we help people all the time. We have a food pantry. We provide for missionaries. We have missionaries come in. We send them down the road with $1,500, $2,000 of cash to help them as we sponsor them. If they go to Africa or Ethiopia or wherever they're going, we want to help them in Jesus' name. We do. We want, yes, we do. But that's not the intent of this message. I can guarantee you. And you say, Pastor, well, I'm judging your heart. Well, you're in error today. The intent of this message is what Paul said, that fruit may abound to your account. Because when you create a need in your life by faithful giving and consistent giving in the house of God, then you can come before God. And then you can say, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I was young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging bread. God, you said to the woman, if she would give the man of God bread, then you would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. God, bless me coming in and bless me going out. Bless me in the storehouse, the field, and the basket. Make me the head and not the tail. Make me above and not beneath, God. Let the wealth of the wicked be laid up for the righteous, God. You parted the Red Sea and brought them over on dry ground 
ground. Meet my need, God. You brought quail from the sea, manna from heaven. Come on, somebody. God has shown himself mighty. Tax season came. Peter couldn't pay his bill. Jesus said, go fishing. A coin found in its mouth met his need. God can meet your need whichever way, as long as you're bringing your life under the prophetic blessing. That's why I came to this house today to tell you, come on, challenge yourself to give me the bread. Because when you do, the blessing of God. And I chose to be very specific. I could have said, I prayed they give me a morsel of bread. Like the prophet did. But I wanted to be more frank and more emboldened to challenge you. Because I'm challenging your insecurities in this area. Get over it and let it go. Put it in the hands. Put it in the basket. Put it in the silver offering plate. And trust the Lord to be faithful to his word. It's not based upon what you don't have. Come on. It's based upon what you do. As I close this message off today, I do so. Man, I feel good in here today. Man, I do. I feel Jesus. I do. I know what financial crisis is like. I do. I know the challenges and the times. And I've, I've felt the sting of it myself. I've been there. And I've been there at different times in my life. I understand. There's empathy and sympathy. Come on, somebody. For people that are in desperate plights. But I came along today to extract faith out of you. Faith moves God. Come on, I can cry with you all day and feel sorry for your situation. But I'm challenging you to move in faith. I'm challenging you to be a man or woman of faith. To be a family of faith. To learn these principles. That woman's whole house was blessed. Could y'all hear that? Her whole house. At a time of economic suppression, she was blessed. And the man of God lived off of the blessing of God during that particular time in his life because God had commanded a widow woman to sustain him. Paul said, God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. This was in response to the faithful giving the Macedonian church had brought to him. Their need had been created through giving. God's response is to meet their needs. The widow sacrificially gave to the man of God, and in doing so created an opportunity for the prophetic word to be spoken over her. Give me the bread. Your offering is the seed to you. Listen to this as we close. I want to ask you to do so. We held the offering off because we're going to pray here in this house. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. Now listen, I want you to take an offering envelope. You say, Pastor, I gave online. Well, there's still an offering envelope. I'm not asking you to give if you've already gave, but I'm asking you to participate. Write it down. Write something on there. I give online, whatever the case might be, because there's just still something powerful that takes place when you pass it into the hands. And a lot of people give online. And me and Sherry were surprised. 13% of the church's income, Shane, came in online this year. So more and more people are giving online. We thank God for that. But at the same time, there's still a powerful thing that can take place right here when we all participate. There's an there's a offer. You know what this is to you? Let me tell you. Listen to this. Your offering is seed to you. It's bread to us. I'm going to eat lunch today, supper today, whatever we want to call it. Me and Lexi had this argument. and Arguing with Lexi is like arguing with Sherry. It's a losing battle. Yeah, I know I'll pay for that later, too. <laughs> I'm going to eat today. You know the, what, what I eat today? You provided it. 
You provided it. You provided, you meet the needs of the man of God. You do, as a church family, you do. So it's bread to me. So I'm going to eat next week. And I'm going to eat next week in my, in my family, and we're going to have shelter, and we're going to have a car and a truck to drive. And hopefully one day we'll have an inheritance for our children's children. That's not too much to ask, right? Because the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance for the children's children. Did you know a lot of pastors didn't preach like this? And in doing so, they went into retirement with not a home or an inheritance. So we take up an annual offering every year and mail it off to preachers who don't have anything left. And so, but I believe it's my responsibility to leave an inheritance for my children and my children's children. At least something. At least pay for the funeral. Come on, somebody. Sometimes that's a start, isn't it? Right? And so at the side, I just want you to know, I'm going to eat because you provided. So what I want you to see is, it's bread to us, but it's seed to you. You can't eat what God expects you to sow. You've got to sow it and then see the blessing of God upon what's left. Pastor, are there anything left? Well, God can change that pretty quickly, can he? Can he? Come on now. He did for her. Why can't he do it for you? He's not a respecter of persons that he should lie, right? Come on. So it's bread for, for that. Then it will be bread for you to consume. Make me a cake. Make me a cake. When you write the, a check, you're writing it to First Assembly, you put it in an envelope, you just need to know that you're making a cake. Did you know that? Every time you go to that computer and you are on your phone and you do that online giving, you know what you're doing? You're patting out a cake. That's what you're doing, and you're giving it to the men and women of God. That's what you're doing. But in doing so, you're bringing yourself under the prophetic blessing that I believe flows out of this pulpit. And I believe there's a prophetic blessing here. I do. I, don't, I, just, I listen to other places and things and such. There's a prophetic blessing that flows right out from this pulpit, and it speaks life over you. It doesn't tear you down. It doesn't, it doesn't erode your faith. and your, It builds you up and lifts you up in the name of Jesus. It doesn't divide. It unites. It picks people up out of despair. It doesn't tell you. We're not like the Geico commercial. We're not like Pinocchio up here today and saying, I see much potential in this room right here. No, that's not how I'm preaching here today. I'm speaking by the word of faith in Jesus' name. I believe God has got great potential inside you. You've got a resource and you've got an anointing, but you've got to bring it and put it into the hands of a man of God which means you release it into what God's, the economy that God has blessed. So if you've done that, I want to ask you all today to come to the front. Bring your bread. Bring, I got my bread. I bring bread too. Come on now, church. Let me all stand up with me. Daryl, if you don't mind, you join me on the platform here today. We're going to pray today in Jesus' name. And we're going to trust the Lord to do great and mighty things. We're going to ask the Lord to show out in the midst of his people today. I want you to hold the cake. Come on, it's, it's seed to you, it's bread to us. Come on, we're, we're following in the example. We're following in the prophetic mandate. We're saying, God, you are able. God, we come to rejoice. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 26 that when they came to rejoice and bring the first fruits offering, they celebrated. They said, God, I didn't eat this in my time of need. I didn't pay my electric bill with it. I didn't pay my cable bill with it. I didn't go to Tunica and try to get more. I didn't do any of those things. But God, I brought it. It belongs to you. I bring it to you, God. And I put it into the hands of a man of God, a woman of God, into the church, God. I release it. Come on, you're the widow today. You're the woman. That's, that's seed in your hand. It's not bread for you. It's seed. It belongs. This is 
not bread for me. This is my seed. I have to sow it. I can't eat this. I can eat what you provide, but I cannot eat this. I've got to give it in the name of Jesus. Sherry and I have to give it. We must sow it in Jesus' name. I want to ask you to stir up that faith. There are those under the sound of my voice. You have never been a consistent giver. You have never been a consistent tither. You've never moved into a consistent time of giving in your life. And I'm challenging you today by the word of faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Move into that new arena of living in Jesus' name. A blessing will come upon you. A favor will come upon you and your house and your household in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So today, Father, come on, church, I want to ask you to pray. Hold it in your hand if you haven't already deposited it, if you've already sown it. I want you to see yourself. I want you to see yourself in the eye of faith. I have a need, and I'm sowing my seed. I have a need, and I'm sowing my seed. In the name of Jesus. God, today. When Jace was praying earlier for those that were in needing emotional healing, do you know one of the greatest anxieties that can ever come across your mind and your brow is financial pressure? You know what the number one reason for breakup in marriages is today? It's financial pressure. It is. It is. So this is real, church family. This, this is not, this is not a, a, a twisted attempt to increase giving in the church. If you think that, I'm telling you, you need to be at the altar right now crying out in forgiveness because that's, that's so far from the reasoning in my heart. Paul said, I desire fruit that may abound to your account because I believe the same God that watched that widow go back in with fear and trembling and reach into that barrel and take that last little bit out and pour that last oil and walk back out from the city through the gate to that man of God seated out there and put it in his hand with her heart fearing and trembling and there was a God in heaven who was watching from above and when she took that bread and put it into the hand of a man of God, then that prophetic word was loosed over her life. And she went right back in. And to her amazement. Come on now, I feel like running in this house today. To her amazement, that barrel of meal that was empty now had enough to feed her, her son, and all those living in the house. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Father, thank you for meeting my needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Help me to begin to faithfully become a giver into the house of God. Help me to move, Father, from, the, from, the, Father, from just on the fringe of giving where occasionally I give. Or if I've got an excess, I'll give. But help me to see, God, that I'm to set aside a certain amount each week, and faithfully give it. Because that's what Paul said, Father. Set aside purpose in your heart. Give joyfully. Every week I'm to bring it into God's economy. For in doing so, 
I'm walking in the prophetic blessing of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed in the sound of my voice today. Some of you are here today. And some of you, just to be honest, a message like this bothers you. It doesn't bother you because you don't believe in it. It bothers you because you know you're not walking in harmony with it. You've wanted to. You have the desire to. But you've never taken the step of faith to go forward and become that faithful giver that God's called you to be. Now, man, I feel that. Now, I'm being real with you guys here today. This is real. I can care less about Super Bowl Sunday today. Absolutely care less. I'm concerned about you, your family, the prophetic blessing. See, because I believe that when you know to do good and you fail to do it, it's sin to you. And it hinders you in your prayer time. When a husband and wife are not in agreement on the area of giving, it hinders the prayer. But when a husband and wife are in agreement and unity, they have a strength. Two or three can touch anything and receive it of their father. So I'm praying over you very sincerely today. And I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I could ask you to raise your hand just so that I can pray with you today. But here's the reality. The reality is you know your own situation. You know the situation that you're in. You know the choices that you made up until this time. The thing I come along to challenge you with today, the Word of God says, start somewhere. Start with what you got, not with what you don't have. Don't wait until, oh, I get a certain level of financial freedom, then I'll start giving. No, you start right where you're at, and you begin to move forward in the kingdom of God and the blessing of God in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Now today, because I'm not trying in any capacity to embarrass anyone at all. I want us to pray a prayer that we're going to pray one for the other before we put this offering in here today. But we're not going to ask you to raise your hand because this, wouldn't, this was a little risky. Because this might not have anything to do with whether or not you've been faithful or not. Because you can still be faithful and still face challenges. Still find it's just that what you do is you have faith to address those situations. But there are those under the sound of my voice today that you have a financial crisis in your life. Financial crisis. And you're believing God today. You're believing God. You're believing God. And you may have been faithful or you may be wanting to be faithful and you're going to start today. But I want to ask you today, I'm not going to ask the church family to go to you. But I do want to ask you, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for nobody looking around but just me. If that's you, say, Pastor, I just have a need today. It's a financial need. It's an economic season in my life. I, it might be a job. It might be just resources. Whatever it is, I want to be able to see so that I can just join my faith with yours. No one's looking around. It's between me and you. It's I'm the pastor. I love you. This is not. This is just ain't got anything to do with whether you gave up until this moment. I'm not trying to judge that moment. I want to loose my faith on your behalf because you got an envelope in your hand today. You got bread in your hand today. If that's you, quickly slip your hand up today. I just want to see. I see hands going up. Thank you. They raised them quickly. Thank you. I see those hands going up. Don't be ashamed. This is us praying. 
Come on, we're praying together. Now, church family, would you begin to, let's do something. If you're standing beside somebody, put a hand on somebody's shoulder today. We're going to collectively agree. Collectively agree for one another. We're going to begin to pray. I feel the Spirit of God. Sometimes I ask others to come up and pray. But I feel like blessing God in the name of Jesus and blessing the people of God. Father, you see the needs that have been mentioned today. And across this church family, my church family's got a hand on the shoulder. They're holding one another up in prayer. They don't know whether or not the person whose uh, shoulder their hand is on raised up and came back down identifying a financial or an economic need in their life. God, they don't know that, but you know. But you know, God. And so, Father, I pray for everyone, and we pray one for the other. That's what the Word of the Lord says. The Word of the Lord says we're to pray one for the other in the name of Jesus. And God, I want to pray that the blessing of heaven will be upon those that raise their hand, God. That, Father God, all areas of their life, I pray, will become conformable to the will of God. Father, now, if there's sin in their life and they're openly rebelling against you and they come to church and hope that the quick upraised hand, God, results, Father God, in a financial outpouring, I pray, God, lead them to repentance. Lead them to repentance, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. But, Father God, if they are walking in humility and in humbled obedience to you, God, I pray, be faithful, God. Make a way in the wilderness. Come on, who will pray that with me right now? God, make a way in the wilderness. Supernaturally provide. God, do things for your glory. God, let cause other people to bless them in the name of Jesus. Let favor come from, Father, even, Father God, unexpected sources. Begin to bring resources into their lives, and then may they be faithful stewards over those resources. God, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for those that need jobs. Come on, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me, I, 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 I've got a need of a job in my life. I'm either unemployed or I need a different job. I, I, not that I'm trying to belittle the one I've got, but I just feel like there's something else for me. I've got training. I've got equipping. I've got something else. I'm not being maximized where I'm at. I believe I can gain better and greater financial resources through another job, and I'm just trusting the Lord. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. I want to see today. Just real quickly, some hands are going up. Four or five hands. I'm praying. This is along with the economic season in their life. God, there are those under the sound of our voice, church. I'm turning this house into a house of prayer, and I'm asking you to pray. There are those among us that say, God, I just need help. I need help with my employment. I may be the employer. I need wisdom. I need direction, God. I want to be a good employee, but I'm right here, and I need a new season in my life. I need a door to open. I've got a son. I've got a son in, 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 uh, down in Benton that needs the door to open in the name of Jesus, the right direction, a career. I'm unashamed. We pray and we're asking the Lord to order his steps and provide for him and give him direction. And I'm asking you to pray one for the other right now. My eyes are closed, God, as I lift up holy hands in this room. God, I thank you for the people and their faithfulness, God. And I'm going to look forward to the testimonies in the name of Jesus. Of how that you, Father God, were faithful in all things and you poured out your blessing. I remember the prophet Malachi. Listen to this. I speak this over your life as I'm getting ready to close. When he spoke to the people of his generation. 
And he spoke to them about a tithe and an offering, which has not been the subject of my message today. But the prophet prophetically declared that God said that if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse, he said, I will open the windows of heaven to you and pour you out a blessing, listen to this, to the end, you can't even contain it. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> That's how good God is. That's how come we can sing the goodness of God. We've seen it. Because all our life, He's been faithful. He's been faithful. He's been a brother, and He's been a friend. And He's been a father, and He's been a provider. He's our God today. And God, you're pouring out your blessing on your people. A blessing to the end that they cannot even contain it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly today, and perhaps most importantly, it's the closing part of this prayer right now. Maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice today that came into this church not knowing what you were going to be confronted with. And maybe you don't even know the Lord as your Savior. I want you to know today, Jesus Christ died for you. He hung on that tree, and he bled and died so that you could have your sins forgiven, and you could be received into eternal life. And if that's you here today, I want to ask you, if you say, being honest right now, say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord, but I would like to know him. Pastor, would you pray with me today? I will, right where you're at. Is there anyone, I don't want to close this sermon, close this message without giving you that opportunity. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice, if that's you, slip your hand up. Just so I know that you're here today. If there's anyone at all, anyone at all. Lord, I thank you for this time today. I feel honored to be here. God, I, I, prov I provoke the church family in faith. When I took the word that the prophet said, I pray thee, bring me a morsel of bread. And I told them, give me the bread. God, by faith, I challenged them. To bring their economic resources underneath the prophetic blessing of this house. And God, I pray they've received this word. They've received it. And if, they, if, they, if, they, if they're a little mixed up about it, let them study. Let them go home and read and see if the things that I've said are so. See if this is consistent with what the teaching of giving and receiving is in the word of God Lord in the name of Jesus thank you for this time I'm going to open this these offering containers and they're going to drop that envelope in it's bread it's bread father to us but it's seed to them and they're going to turn and they're going to go back out and they're going to leave and as they do so I'm going to trust that the blessing of heaven is going to go with them. And they're going to see the blessing of God. Even starting this week. Come on, somebody. If you're already seeing it, you'll know it. And if you need to see it, you'll be able to recognize it. And they'll say, my God, that's the, that's the hand of God. That, that's, that's the meal and that's the oil. I want you to see that. I, I'm going to believe somebody's going to come back to me next Sunday and say, Pastor, I saw the meal and the oil. It came back. God brought it back in the name of Jesus because he's faithful. He's faithful. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.
and amen. There's an offer contained in front of you. Leave your offer.